Welcome inside the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Trevor and Ben here with you to discuss a slew of 2020 NFL Draft running backs. Did I use that word right? Plethora. A, pl- a, a, a smattering. A, <laughs> keep going, please. The people need uh, this. An abundance. Uh, that's uh, less fancy, but it still works. Okay. Um, I, no, need- now it's too much pressure. I mean, you should. Plethora was good. Plethora yeah, was good. I- what, wait, what did you say after plethora? A what? Smattering. That now nah, that's a good one too. A, a, smatter- smattering. a smattering isn't even as dense as a plethora. Of twenty twenty running backs here on our summer scouting series, we have talked about so far. If you guys are if you guys haven't listened to the first two podcasts, which I don't know what what else what else could you be doing during your day, honestly? Can't can't could not be better than this. Guys being Dude, dudes. I agree with you. Yeah. Though Sidney Romero hitting a single home run to make it two one Oklahoma UCLA. Is also a good thing. Oh, Ben is still watching softball live, it, talking it, about it got, live on the podcast, in which is a recorded podcast, podcast that has nothing to do left. with softball. Two days of podcast softball left. That's it. So Everybody can far deal. in this series for running backs, we've talked about J.K. Dobbins, Travis Etienne, A.J. Dillon, Andre Swift, DeAndre Swift, sorry, I'm an idiot, Kylan Hill, Jonathan Taylor, and now today we're getting to like Eight of them. We're getting to a bunch of running backs today, so we got to run through them. We got to start. Let's start with Cam Akers. Cam Akers was a, I believe, a five-star running back going into Florida State. The um, number one ranked running back in his class. Okay, there you go. That thank you for the context. There had a thousand yards his first year. Not as good of a second year. However, I will preface our analysis of Cam Akers by yes. saying that Florida State had the worst offensive line in all of the Power Five conferences and perhaps, perhaps been the worst offensive line in this wonderful country. Trevor, you're saying they had the worst offensive line as if they even had an offensive line, as if there were even five bodies. I mean, unfortunately. Out there. Wearing jerseys. Unfortunately, there were five players on scholarship who did take the field and wear jerseys. I don't know if I would call them an offensive line, though. I more just like I'll tell you cones. right now, Cam Akers is going to have to relearn some of his habits at the NFL level. So let's talk when about he grows let's accustomed. Get into it. Yes, because there's a lot to like with Cam Akers and what he brings from an athleticism perspective. It's tremendous. Sure, uh, you can see, I really, really fluid guy. He's got some really natural change of direction stuff. You watch, he broke a couple of big ones against Boston College. He broke a big one against Virginia Tech. And you can see that when this guy gets into the third level, I mean, it's silky, right? Like, he really does a great job. Like, he manipulates angles nicely. He knows when to cut back. He knows when to burst. There's just a lot of really nice anticipation and timing there. It's great to see, and you love to see it. Behind the line of scrimmage. you just love to see. You love to see it. But behind the line of scrimmage, before he gets there, which lets, like, you take some time to get there, take some effort to get there. I mean, he takes first daylight and he regularly breaks structure, and you can't blame him because so frequently his his play side blockers were just unable to execute concepts for him. I mean, he had very little hope of executing some zone concepts because they just don't get movement up front. He has no lanes, and so he has to create for himself. Now, he has the athleticism to pull that off, and that's exciting, and Mm -hmm. that's mouth-watering. I'm pumped about that. That's going to be a really, really good fundamental base for building him up, but you need to build him up. You need to make something out of him because 
right now he's a very unfinished product, and it's in large part because of what he's dealing with in front of him. Yeah, it's really tough eval, right? I mean, kind of basically just what you said describes it right there. He just doesn't have the offensive line. To run the ball, you've got to have the offensive line that, that, that gets you the holes to, to find the daylight, to make the most out of your athletic ability. The running game is very much a chemistry thing, and, and Cam Akers didn't have that with his offensive line because, I mean, nobody did. <laughs> it was just... It was, it was a terrible year for them, which makes him a really tough eval. There's obviously things you like. I think he's got a really all-around good game. He's got good balance. He's got a good build. He, I think he's a smaller back, but that's fine. I think he's got good power to him, good balance. I wasn't I wasn't wowed by him, but again, I don't want to... It's hard for me to even say that because I don't even want to like put that out there in the universe because of how bad his offensive line is and know how little the opportunities that he had to really show his stuff. He's not a guy who's got that extra gear that... You know, Travis Etienne does, or or even a Jonathan Taylor, I would say. But I think that he's a good all-around back. I think he's closer in mold to certainly what J.K. Dobbins is. I'm going to be interested to see where you put Cam Akers if he is ended up if he's going to end up in your top five when we get to Friday's episode because there's a lot of things that he does I think well. There's there's not a ton of times when I watch Akers where I'm just like, holy crap, this kid's going to put the NFL on fire. But I think he does a lot of really good things well. So. That's where I landed. On. I uh, yeah. I mean, I would push back on the idea that he doesn't have that extra gear. I think he does have a great. You think he does? Gear. Okay. I think he's got some juice for sure. You think he's um, faster than Jonathan Taylor? Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this, Ben. Come. Don't make me always be the bad parent. What you you always be the Come bad parent? On. What are you talking about? Come on. What do you? What is always be the bad? What do you, you just give think me another example? Sunshine and give rainbows. Me another example. This guy's going to the been... NFL. He's going to be an All Pro, and I'm like, uh, we got to pump the brakes here. This man. is all heresy, but I don't think it's unreasonable to say that Cam Akers has a good amount of juice in the second level. Cam Akers ran a four four one. Never said he was slow. Four four one coming out. Never four, said four, he was one, slow. That's faster than Taylor. Never said he was slow. Trevor, I just, did, I just don't think on the field I see the same speed that I see with Jonathan Taylor. Before we recorded, Trevor literally said Cam Akers is slow 100 times. I, I, oh up my this God, podcast. I'm cutting this part out of the podcast. I'm cutting it out. That's just a blatant lie. <laughs> no, it's too much work. It's too much work. Blatant lie. No, I can put in the work to make sure that I don't get slandered and you do. You got to understand that's the power of what comes <laughs> I'm willing. I'm willing to put in those extra hours. People are about to yell at me and be like, oh, if you're the producer, fix it when the audio goes really loud and then is really soft. Listen, guys, that's like a Skype thing, and I, I I just I can't go through the entire podcast. It'd take me like three hours to edit the thing. So my apologies, but it'll get better with time. I you were uh, a coward. It's good to know. <laughs> <laughs> Harris. Najee Harris. Okay. 6'2", 225, large human being. Yeah, the young man is healthy. He's well fed. That's a really good way to put it. Him in the backfield, him and uh, Brian Robinson yeah. in the backfield, who we're going to talk about Brian Robinson after Najee Harris. But it, that's just a giant, that's a grown ass man backfield. Yeah. So when, when, because you did you watch the uh, the Tennessee tape for Najee Harris? No, Ben, I totally ignored the Tennessee tape. Yeah, watch the Oh, jokes tape. are funny, right? So he's out there running and like, Tennessee's got some starters out there on defense, but they also have some like non-starters because it was a 30-point game halfway through the third quarter. Mm-hmm. And so Harris, the one run where he hurdles the first dude, Olay's the second dude, and then yeah. stiff arms the third dude, right? Firstly, very interesting question. Who has to retire there? 
The guy who gets hurdled, <laughs> the guy who gets Olaid, or the guy who gets stiff armed. Because uh, it uh, happened in that order. <laughs> to I me. Think, yeah. Uh, wait, what was the order? What was the order? So he hurdles the first guy. Right when he lands, second dude has a clear shot at him because he's coming down yeah. from the air and whiffs. Harrison lays him right, like, right across the bow. I think that guy's got to retire first. Yeah, see, but then immediately Harris stiff arms the third guy, and to me, it's the third guy. Like if 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 he just hurdled somebody and then and then like Olaid the second guy, he, you can't. But here's why miss. I don't feel as bad for that guy because like at that point in the run, Najee Harris in the back of his mind goes, "Oh hell yeah, I'm Superman! Like I'm actually Superman! Like I I I came here from an alien right, planet. Right, right, Kryptonite right. is my only weakness." Get the hell off me! Like at it's that like, point, the mo- the mental momentum. I'm surprised right. that guy didn't get stiff armed to China. Actually, so right. It's like when 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 he hits the hurdle, he just got the mushroom, right? He just got a little that's bigger, but he right. wasn't nuts yet. Once he hits the Olay, that's when the invincibility star came in because have, when you make those two moves back to back. I have this clip on Twitter. If anybody wants to go watch it, um, oh, do at, you at Tampa Bay Trey? Follow me. What's up? Yeah, I do. Hit up. But um, anyway, so. You just see Harris among these secondary players in Tennessee, and it's just like we got we got college players playing high school players in terms of just like the physical differences. Mm-hmm. Najee Harris is a large human being. He's a big now guy. I have a question: Is he powerful? Because doesn't, uh, doesn't he do had a, a he had he had more than a few opportunities to put his shoulder down and run through a guy, and he tried to spin. The, the, of the of the backs we have watched. Monday, Tuesday to today, Najee Harris, more than pretty much anybody else, runs like he's elusive. And yet he's one of the biggest yes, guys we've I would, watched. I would, I would probably agree with that. There's a lot. Right. I think that, you know, for his size, he is, I mean, even the speed and the elusiveness that he has for his size, you've got to go like, wow, that's pretty eye-popping. For him to be able to move, I think the way that he does at his size is, is a really big deal. But... You want it to come at the complement of him having the strength at that size, too. You don't want it to be the sacrifice. Like, you don't just want a giant big guy being a finesse player. Like, that's the, Derrick Henry. That's the biggest, I was just about to say, that is the biggest complaint with Derrick Henry, is that Derrick Henry will show you some plays where he'll just straight run you over. He can carry a, he can carry a pile. He can get the extra yards after contact. He can fall forward, and that's what you want. But then the mentality of this guy is to continually bounce it outside and get the space and be in like a finesse runner, like a speed runner to the outside. And it's like, hold up here. That's supposed to be the bonus part of your game. You know, you want that to be a compliment to your your already hulking size of how well you can do in between the tackles. So that's something that I, uh, I'm i going to be watching with, with Najee Harris. And I, I guess, I, I don't know if you were finished with him, but that kind of brings me up to Brian Robinson. Because Robinson as well, he is now the backup to um, Najee Harris at Alabama. For those that don't know, he's number 24. I think that he does power a lot better than Harris does. And he's another guy who's about six foot one, 220, 225 pounds. So for Josh Jacobs and Damian Harris to be gone, and now the backfield is completely Najee Harris and Brian Robinson, very much looking forward to seeing how each of these guys develop with a lot more carries to them because you're going to see them for the first time almost be in their natural state because before, you know, before, even if you were Najee Harris, you were a four- or five-star running back picking Alabama, when he got on the field, it was basically like, I got to do whatever I can here to get as many yards as I can because I don't play very much. Same thing with kind of Brian Robinson. Now, when I you get— I think it's different. They rotated Harris into the regular rotation 
like in in actual gameplay more frequently than Robinson. Oh, we no had, like, question. Yeah, yeah. Robinson is a top ten recruit in the state of Alabama. Is a top ten running grew, back. I think he grew up a mile from t- from yeah. the stadium. He's he's a four star recruit who was their fourth string running back. How did he not? How do you keep him in the building? Bama, dude. How? Bama. When you're coming into 2018 and you know Damian Harris is the starter, you know Josh Jacobs has won a bunch of reps, and there's no way Najee Harris isn't running back three. Your running back four is a four star. How amazing the fact that they kept that talent. This is there. We're you. This is summer scouting, and we're watching Bama's fourth string running back. Unbelievable. Alabama, dude, it's crazy. So, like, did you? What do you think about Robinson? Any thoughts? Yeah. So it's funny because, yeah, listed wise, Robinson and Najee Harris are, are are similar size, right? But if you look at them, Harris, I think, is much better built in the lower half. Robinson's a leggy sort of a guy, right? I think he's high I cut. I would agree with that. Okay. Yeah, and I think he's he's a little bit thinner, you know, in the glutes and in the thighs. And so I think as a result, I don't see a strong. I I, I see him be more willing to put his head down. I see him more willing to fight through contact. I think he's got some good contact mm-hmm. balance. But I don't see a true power player with him so much as he's just a guy who withstands and anticipates contact pretty well. You can see, I think, both in Harris and in okay, Robinson. You can see both in Harris and in Robinson lack of experience and how that makes things difficult for them. You know, just uh, the the feel for spacing, the feel for timing, the feel for pace. Just you, you know, like we I talked a lot about Jonathan Taylor running too many uh, runs right having too many carries mm-hmm. but you do need to have a certain l- number of carries to develop just instinct it's something that's ingrained it's something that, that it, it comes via practice it does not come you know like, like you, you need to do it at the college level adjust to the speed and then it becomes ingrained it's subconscious you can't just kind of teach it you need to feel it and so with robinson there's just not a lot of feel uh, he struggles to, to to take his pass correctly against blocking schemes he struggles to generate his own rushing lanes to me like you know he's just an average running back right now but He's barely taken any snaps, and he's gonna, you know, obviously have a bigger role this past year, this this current year. So, I I don't have a huge take on, on Robinson. I also don't even have a huge take on Najee Harris. Obviously, right, right. It, make, it makes it difficult. Recruit and stuff, but we need to see more from these guys. They just didn't have enough uh, exposure, enough playing time with Jacobs and Harris behind them, and that's correct. Like they shouldn't have had that. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that's why very excited for this year with with uh, with Harris and Jacobs gone. Now that we get um, Najee Harris and Brian Robinson some extra carries. And I'm sure that Bama's got some kind of five-star running back that is now going to be their third stringer because that's just Alabama, and that's what happens. Um, two Gator guys, LaMichael P. Ryan, Malik Davis. Uh, I'll give you—we uh, can start with Malik Davis because you're probably not going to know a lot about him. A lot of other people aren't either. Uh, he lost—he was only active like three games this year, right? Well, he— he did not play a lot because he was a stud in his freshman season, which was now two years ago. And then he suffered a knee injury, missed the rest of that season, suffered another knee injury, missed the entire season last year. So like not a lot of playing time on this kid's belt, but when he was in there as just a true freshman played really, really well, super shifty back. He's very explosive, um, had some good instincts, you know, making guys miss, very agile dude left to right to the sidelines. And he was really kind of that that home run kind of a feel guy. And that's why I, I, I don't know how much of D- Davis you were able to watch, even if it was just a highlight reel, but the guy's got some explosiveness to him. And I thought he played really, really well in the first uh, first half of his freshman season. But here we are going into his junior year, and that's about the only game take that he's got. So right. uh, very much a 
I think that Malik Davis is going to be like a complimentary back unless he's just totally changed his body type and totally changed his game and mm-hmm. elevated it to an unreal level this year. We'll be able to see, but much more of a speed guy, a shifty player, a complimentary guy in the NFL, but did a lot of really good things when he could put his foot in the ground and make people miss and do stuff with open space because right. the more that I that I evaluate running backs, the more that I kind of come to prioritize, man, guys that just instinctively know what to do in space really are, I don't want to say like rare, but um, it's valuable, very valuable when you can find sure. a guy who knows what to do once he gets into space, once he gets to the outside, how to make that last guy miss, get to some green grass and get to the end zone. And Malik Davis is a guy who I think that has that kind of potential. No, yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up and you brought up body type because he's certainly, he's got tunnel wiggle and that's exciting, but he's the first back we've looked at in this class who's sub 200, yeah. right? We've looked at he's a lot dude. of big boys and he like, the numbers I had on him were like 180, 185, right? So on the smaller side, I'm like, that's not great for the NFL. You want to be definitely above 190, but he's a different play style. He's not going to be a guy who wins through contact. He's going to be a guy who makes people miss. His foil now, LaMichael Pirine, I was able to get more film on Pirine um, every carry that Jordan Scarlett got above Lamarco P. Ryan was a crime, an absolute crime. This kid's talented. You damn right he is. I yeah. I mean, also, I, I, I won't I, stand I for the slander of my son Jordan Scarlett. Even though you are correct, I won't let let you know. I won't stand for it. I'm currently sitting right. recording this podcast. I'm glad to hear you're sitting. You know, just make sure you keep your back straight. Lumbar support's important. Lamarco P. Ryan. I got terrible posture, man. I'm sorry to hear that. I'm a, oh, dude, I'm a writer. I sit here all day and I just kind of like hunch over a keyboard. It's bad. Oh, you got to like more active thoughts. You got to take yoga. This is why I do. But Michael P. Ryan. I'll never. Unless it's goat yoga. Have you ever done goat yoga? What is goat yoga? It's it's literally what you think it is. You do yoga in a pasture with in a pasture of goats. Why? I brother, I don't know. But white girls on Instagram love it. Well, white girls, I, I, I can't claim to have an Instagram or to regularly go on Instagram or do anything Instagram related. But I do know that white girls on Instagram should not be trusted. <laughs> but Michael P. Ryan, are we good? <laughs> yes. Michael P. Ryan. Um, explosive. Yes, sir. Smart. Yep. Great, uh, great uh, uh, manipulation of stride length, ability to generate his own angles, smart going through the tackles, able to get skinny, able to get quick, dart through that first level. Nobody notices you. Attack at the second level. I think he's really, really exciting with what he can do in tight areas. You turn on the South Carolina film. You turn on some of, uh, of his Michigan film from from this past year, the uh, Peach Bowl they played in or whatever the heck it was. There's some really impressive and exciting runs and a clear – Clear. Usually in the passing game. Usually in the passing game. They, 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 they flex him out wide. They run little screens for him. They're very comfortable with him out there running routes. And you really like to see that. That's awesome. Yep. I think that's the. there's a lot of things to like about Pirine. We talked about this a little bit with Cam Akers, having that all-around game. I really do feel like Pirine has that all-around game. And you watch – I'm glad that you brought that up about the Michigan game because he's basically – He's their slot receiver for <laughs> what it seems right. in that in that uh, in that Michigan game, and so then you go back and you watch. Boy, did you see the run that he busted off against FSU? Have you seen that one? I did not watch FSU. No, it's uh, it's I believe it's just an, an outside zone run, and he hits the corner, and he's just got jets after that, and he yeah, no, he, he can buzz. It was 
it was you could just see it in his eye. It was against FSU. It was against their rival. FSU has clowned him so many times in a row, and he went full sprint for sixty yards. Did not let up one single step. Sprinted that whole sixty yards. And so, like, dude's got some juice to him. I really think that he does. So, P. Ryan's really good. Love his balance. Um, love the potential speed that he's got. Love how shifty he could be. Really excited to see again what he has. In a backfield where now he's the main guy. It's not Jordan Scarlett. It's P. Ryan who's going to get a lot. And like P. Ryan got a lot of carries too. You know, it was they basically kind of yeah, realized as, as the year yeah. went on that P. Ryan was their better running back. So he got a lot of usage there. Um, but now him, I, I think Malik Davis slotted to obviously be that kind of change of pace back. I think it's a nice little one-two combo. And then they got another guy, Damian Pierce, who's coming up, who uh, could be a very, very interesting running back. Not this year, but the next year as we talk about 2021 running backs. But Reggie Corbin. Last guy that we're going to talk about. Reginald. Human. Highlight. Real. He's fun. Dude. Can, I wrote This a, is your boy. I wrote... I can't, I can't remember. I, I actually don't think it was a... I don't think it was a five-play prospect. Maybe it was. It but was. I wrote an article on Reggie Corbin. And Reggie Corbin's... Like, let's just say, like, highlight real plays are... You could put him against any running back in this class. Literally any one of them. And Reggie Corbin will go toe-to-toe. Now, obviously, it's not, like, via power. You know, if you're you're not going, like, oh, let's see the power that A.J. Dillon's got. Okay, like, <laughs> shut up. But You would need two Reggie Corbins to build an A.J. Dillon. You know, and, and yeah, you'd probably need three because two of them would just be in his thighs to match A.J. Dillon's thighs. But this dude's fun. Uh, extremely elusive. He is—you you just look at him, and you could see a role in the NFL as this committee— role-playing running back that just can have this home run ability for your team. And as the NFL moves more and more towards that committee kind of play from the running back position, a lot less feature stuff, I absolutely see Reggie Corbin playing a big impact. You know, he played that one game uh, where Illinois was playing in Soldier Field. And I'm sitting here thinking, man, that is the same field that Tariq Cohen runs on. And brother, that is the running back that you want this kid to be. Now, I will say, as the resident Pac-12 stand in the building, there is a player who's got more of a Tariq Cohen mold. Mm. Obviously, Corbin is similar to Cohen, but the player's got more of a Tariq Cohen mold and similar traits in J.J. Taylor. I was going to say, are you talking yeah. about Taylor? Yeah, now, I, wa- I watched his redshirt freshman tape last uh, two years ago preparing for his redshirt sophomore season, which was 2018, and I said, obviously, I don't expect him to come out as a redshirt sophomore, but... This guy's clearly an NFL translatable, and, and you know, he, he, he showed out in, in the first year under Kevin Sumlin, and obviously Khalil Tate helps him out a lot with the threat of the running game. But Taylor and Corbin are in a similar mold. Um, you know, I don't calling them Trico doesn't matter. It's the archetype that you use. What Corbin has that I think, you know, obviously you watch him, human joystick, but I think will go underappreciated and is really very exciting is he's very elusive and he's very explosive, he's very quick, and that's all good, but he's still very disciplined at, at, pushing gaps and manipulating second level linebackers and, and helping his, his linemen set up blocks. Like he's not just get into daylight, get into space, make everybody miss. No, like he's willing to do the dirty work behind the yard, of, the line of scrimmage to help make help his linemen help him, right? Help make everybody's jobs better. And you put on the Penn state film, you see this guy really like he's moving quicker than everybody else. And he's got that great juice, but fundamentally he's playing the running back position the way it's supposed to be played. And so often with these really, 
elite next level athletes in terms of quickness and elusiveness. Like I think about a Justice Hill. One of my main complaints sure. with Justice Hill was Hill would not stick to the fundamentals of zone concepts. Reggie Corbin does. And I think it benefits him tremendously. This running back class is so fun. And right. dude, we got the guys that we're talking about tomorrow. We're talking about Taylor tomorrow. We're talking about Trey Sermon. You know, well. Benjamin tomorrow. You know, Benjamin, Zach Moss. We're getting a Michael Warren. Like what? These are there are so many good running backs in this class. This is such a treat to run through this, and I don't have to sit here and think, well, I'm not drafting any of these guys high anyways, dude. I'm I'm gonna have to sit here, sit here and second guess myself about drafting running backs high because I can see where, you know, if they're not there already, where right. you know the guys at the top, we can kind of see that they're they're their NFL roles there. But there's a ton of guys also who have potential going into 2019 to develop that kind of skill. And develop that kind of identity as a running back to where, like, hey, this is an NFL style. This is going to work at the next level. There's so much potential in this running back class. Yeah, no, and, and it's, it's going to be very interesting because we're going to have really good running backs, and we're going to have a bunch of teams who are constructed to be running back by committee. A bunch of teams who want to get touches to two, three running backs that are on their roster. And so while the Travis Etienne's and the DeAndre Swift's of the world are amazing talents and deserve the line shares of the carries, and that's great. There's not a lot of teams left in the league who want to deliver touches to their running backs that way, and a lot of them already have young running backs or you know veteran running backs they're excited about. And so the real value of this class might end up being when Reggie Corbin is available on day three. Sure. And like I think about like Philadelphia, no Darren Sproles right now. Let's say they don't find a Darren Sproles replacement. You know, on this ne- yep. the next season, right? All of a sudden, I get Reggie Corbin out of a discount because there's 12 guys in front of him. Right. Nobody else is drafting. You know, it's so like the, the 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 top of the class is good, but the thickness of the class is good, and yep. that's where running backs. That's what really like because there's so many of them that get touches in the league. That's where it's exciting already to see who's going to go where and who's going to get great value. Yeah. So you guys heard the players that we're talking about tomorrow. Be thinking of some Fan Friday questions because you know it's coming around. Ben and I are going to give our top fives. But also, tell us any running backs we missed. We know how good this running back class already is from the names that we know. But there's, I'm sure that you guys out there have a ton of running backs um, that, that you guys know that we're not going to be able to get to. So if you ask those questions on Fan Friday, we'll be able to take a look at those guys, this, get those guys on our Raiders as well. So until then, you keep it locked right here on Lockdown right NFL Draft.